Our scripture reading today is Psalms 120 and 121. Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just bless your name today. Thank you for the beautiful words of this, especially this last psalm, Father, that tells us that you're our keeper, you're our helper, and you're with us forevermore. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I like singing worship with you guys. I mean, someday God will give us a worship leader who plays guitar better than me and sings far better, and we'll rejoice in that. I'll like singing from the front row, but... Until he sends that person, I really enjoy just singing songs with him. Carol King Tapestry. Who's next? Willie and the Poor Boys, CCR. Mm -hmm. Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, Highway 61 Revisited and Slow Train Coming. Uh, Bookends. Uh, All Directions by The Temptations. London Calling by The Clash. Run DMC's first album that I can't say in church because it's called Raising Hell. <laughs> R.E.M., Document, and Green. Regatta de Blanc by the Police. Abbey Road, Revolver. Patti Smith's Horses. Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full. Age to Age by Amy Grant. I knew we'd get some smiles there. Peter Gabriel So, Temple of Low Men by Crowded House. Ten, never mind. Milo Goes to College, Mute Math, Thriller, and Off the Wall, The Distance to Hear by Live. Stranger Than Fiction, Joshua Tree and Octune Baby. Texas Flood? Nobody, huh? Okay. Price of Progress by The Hold Steady. Uh, songs from the Big Chair. Um, Joni Mitchell Blue. Graceland, Switchfoot, Vice Versus, Minutes to Midnight, and A Thousand Sons, uh, Ben Harper's Will to Live, Albert King, Born Under a Bad Sign, is there an amen? Hot August Night, yes, little Neil Diamond, Soul's Core by Sean Mullins, uh, Bob Marley Legend, I was trying to keep Greatest Hits off of this list, but Bob Marley Legend belongs on it, uh, Live from Folsom Prison. Oh, finally. Bunch of hillbillies. (laughs) 
Mesomorphous by Delirious, Eskimo Joe's Black Fingernails Red Wine, Curtis Mayfield Curtis, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. Those are great albums. And a great album is a great thing. You know what they're like, right? They, they take you on a journey. Not every song is the same, but they all kind of fit together in a really beautiful way. I would like you to turn to Psalm 120 with me. And I'd like to spend the next several weeks, actually between here and Christmas, I'd like to tell you about my favorite album. Every song isn't the same, but they do tell one story. In a, on a great album, like uh, the songs aren't about you, but you connect with them on a, in a really emotional way. You feel like this was written from your perspective in some way, even though it's somebody in a very different context. They kind of tell your story. They also kind of guide us. They're full of, great albums are full of, of big ideas, but they're also full of super intimate, personal human emotions. And I'd like to introduce you to one of my favorite albums ever, and it's called The Songs of Ascents, and it's in your Psalter. It's in the Psalms, and some of you are familiar and some of you are less, but if you've opened up to Psalm 120 and just kind of flip through, they're all short. It's a punk album, short songs, love it. Um, they all have the superscription, a song of ascents, 15 psalms in a row, form one little unit in the Psalter. If I had more time for introduction, there's actually a very mysterious book in the pew in front of you. It's called a hymnal. <clears throat> Back in the ancient times, when we wrote our brontosauruses to church, and when we could read music, uh, you guys wouldn't know what to do with that thing. Um, you, uh, you actually like read from the songbook, you know, and this is the book of Psalms is the songbook of Jesus' church, you know, as Jesus went and sang songs at church, they were from the hymn book, from the Psalter. And just like our hymn book that you go, I forget what it is, but it's something like 88, maybe 90 through about 115. Those are Christmas songs. If you see here in a couple months, we're going to be flashing up Christmas songs and they'll all be kind of in that range in your hymn book because you need holiday music and it's good to organize them all in one thing. And like Christmas songs, all of them very different. This tells the wise men's story. This tells the shepherd's story. This tells, you know, the cry of Israel before story, E minor and minor keys, all the way to joy to the world that's glorious and big and C major. And, and, but they all fit together in a really powerful way. That's what the songs of ascent are. They're a collection of holiday hymns, holiday songs. And there's a lot of discussion about how exactly this collection came to be, but the probably the leading one is pilgrims who were from the diaspora, people who no longer lived in the region of Jerusalem proper and yet still might have lived far away but wanted to go to the temple for the festivals. They wanted three times a year. Faithful Jewish families were called to have an outstanding party filled with, you know, sacrifice, but every sacrifice is followed by a barbecue. Like, you know, it's, it's a family time and a time of national hope and pride and a time of seeing people that you have, your cousin that you haven't seen since the last festival. And on the road, they sang the songs of ascents. 
And then I think there's, there's, there's less evidence for this, but I like it a lot, so I want it to be true. Put it in that category. On the southern uh, entrance to the temple, there are 15 steps. And there are 15 songs of ascent. And so the idea was either the Levites sang them or the pilgrims sang them or somehow these songs correlated with the actual climb to Jerusalem. No matter whether you're south, we say I'm going up to San Francisco, down to L.A., Jerusalem is always up. Wherever you are, Jerusalem is up. And that's true geographically. It's on top of a little hill, Mount Zion. It's also true spiritually. And we don't have the idea of spiritual geography like uh, the Hebrews did, but we kind of do. If I say you're frustrated and you look to God, what are you doing? You're doing this, you're doing this. No, you're going this. God, why? You always look up. Because your idea of the divine is up. We ascend to the presence of God. We ascend to Jerusalem. We ascend to the temple. We ascend the temple steps into his presence. And any journey like that needs a soundtrack. And this is the soundtrack. I love this collection. And you'll see that it has a direction. You know, you start with where the streets have no name. You end with mothers of the disappeared. The Joshua tree is just perfect. The perfect out, right? It's just the whole, you're on a journey. There's highs, there's lows, and you end up someplace. Look at how it starts. Psalm 120. In my distress, I called out to the Lord. Flip over to the, flip, flip the LP Put it on the last track with me and look over at Psalm 134. Bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. It is not just the climb from far away to Jerusalem. It's the climb from distress to peace and joy and glory and praise in the presence of God. We're going to have a hard time as we go because we're going to be mixing metaphors a lot. The context, the imagery is a physical journey. And we don't have holy places uh, anymore. Where's the temple? We're it. I pray for this room every Sunday morning. And I always pray, God, as the temple shows up, would you embody it? This room without us, not the temple. We, the people of God, we're the temple. So we no longer have holy spots like the climb to Jerusalem. But man, we have the need for spiritual pilgrimage to intimacy with God. Are you with me? So while we'll be talking about trails and journeys and stuff like that, we're going to be talking especially about how you and I go from just earthy people to spiritual people in the presence of God. It's a good album. I wish I knew the tunes. I wish I knew how to play them. The first one certainly is in a minor chord. And this is about going somewhere. It's about going from the valley up to Jerusalem. It's about from distress to praise. And let me tell you something that gets in the way for most of us wannabe pilgrims. If you're going to get somewhere, you have to leave somewhere. You are welcome in heaven. Your pride is not. You are welcome to rely on God. But if you're doing that, you can't rely on your bank account. One or the other. If you want to go somewhere, you have to leave somewhere. And let's be honest, where we are, even apart from God, 
at times feels pretty safe and secure. Wonder if you think about a young person leaving for college or leaving to start a career in another state. And there's a tension there because on one hand, what they're going to sounds great and fun and full of hope in the future, but mom can really cook. And that bed is very comfortable. And the Hulu, Prime, and the, the Hulu Plus Live Sports is already paid for. And so while you want to go, you have to understand you got to leave. And especially today, and I'm sorry, today's a, a little bit of, I, I hope you leave here a little bit on edge. Because if we are going to be people who desire to be on pilgrimage, desire for not stopping short of the joy and life of intimacy and maturity in Christ, we first have to get a little bit irritated about where we are. We first have to look around and go, this doesn't work. I'm not satisfied with all that the world has to offer me. That's really the heart of our pilgrim as they start this journey from this valley in Psalm 120. First, it starts with packing up. Read with me uh, the first two verses of Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. So the album starts with someone who is in distress calling on Yahweh. Even in the beginning, there's a little hope. I was in distress, and I called out. There's distress, but there's not despair. There's an understanding that nothing here in the valley is going to satisfy me. This isn't going to be enough. But there is an understanding that we're going someplace. There's some place to go. I called out, and he heard me. Do you ever wake up ticked off? I assume the laughter is instead of tears. You ever just get sick of the treadmill? You ever get sick of the grind? You ever get sick of answering people when they go, hey, how you doing? Living the dream. <laughs> The album opens up, the songs of ascent open up with someone feeling that kind of distress in life. And in this desperation, maybe as a last resort, calling out to God. And I'll, I'll talk more about this in a minute, but if you're down to your last resort, calling out to God's not a bad place to start. Looking around and going, this place is lame. I'll even say this. We need to be people that love our culture. I am not somebody who thinks we need to spend our time condemning our culture. But you can't love it if you're relying on it. You cannot say, I am looking for this culture and my job and my family to fill all my needs and I'm going to love them selflessly. That doesn't work. You end up finding out, well, I sacrificed, but I got the short end of the stick. How do we all feel like we get the short end of the stick all the time? How big is the stick? Not big enough. So in this distress, this person calls out to God. 
It's okay to recognize where you are. Verses 3 and 4 say, What shall be given uh, to you, and what more shall be done, you deceitful tongue, a warrior's sharp arrow with glowing coals of the broom, bloom, of the broom tree? This is funny, because some commentators say, this is when our pilgrim uh, is looking at the culture and going, dude, you guys are doomed. What good thing could happen out there? Others say this is the time when the pilgrim looks at himself and goes, if I don't make a change, I'm just like the culture. I like both those interpretations. It's a poem. You're allowed to like both those interpretations. Our protagonist turns his head towards his culture around him and he goes, do you guys know where all this is headed? He also turns his attention on himself you ever get frustrated when you go god the way the world works and then you look around at your own house and go we work just like the world what's the difference in me do you know that dissatisfaction do you know that frustration i think there's a lot of echoes of isaiah 6 in this passage as isaiah looks and comes in contact with the Lord Most High, high and seated up, seated on his throne, train of his robe, filling the temple. And he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. It's almost like this pilgrim is having the converse uh, experience. It has not been the glory of God that has brought him to it. It has been the wretchedness of the valley that has caused him to go, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. I'm starting to think the Rams could win every week and I still wouldn't be happy. <laughs> I'd like to try. There's judgment. This place is full of lies. You ever think that? Who do you trust? This place is full of lies. It's okay. You could say it. And there's this acknowledgement that it's time to go from being part of the lies to acknowledging that this place is full of lies. You know, there's a theological term that, you know, gets thrown around called to that, that's called total depravity. And total depravity means something like either, you know, I think the wrong way to think about total depravity is that man is completely bad. No, even the worst person at some point, says thank you. But total depravity is really about this. Sin has worked its way into everything. Man is totally lost. We are not one more victory, promotion, election, law from it all working out. And it's okay to acknowledge that and to go, we need something else. This place isn't going to satisfy me. Verse Five through seven, there's a holy dissatisfaction. He does. He says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Okay, I have to get a little nerdy with you. This is a great example of, of geographic or spiritual geography. Because Kedar is way up north. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Meshech is way up north. Kedar is way down south. It's like he's saying, I couldn't go anywhere. I'm not like if I could just move over there or if I could just go to that town or if I could just switch to there or I'm going to Canada. It's not about that. No matter where I go, I'm going to be there. So rather, I need to find a place higher. 
I need to find a place in the presence of God. It's not about earthy geography. It's not about moving in the right place, getting the right job, finding the right spouse, doing all the right things. No, I'm going to need something else, otherworldly. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Again, I see Isaiah 6 here, that idea of woe is me. Woe, it's like Bible for ah, no. Shoot. I'm in a pickle. This is a mess. He looks around and he goes, I, look, any of us who were ever young and thought that finding the right cause and backing the right, like, donkey or elephant or, or back in the right social movement or whatever, and that was how the world was going to get better and have experienced the disappointment of that many, many times, probably have had moments where you go, I feel like I want peace. I feel like I want shalom. I want the world to be okay. But every room I'm in, that's how we start, but it seems like they want war. There's violence all around me. And it's not just violence with bombs and guns. It's violence with words and snarky remarks on Facebook. I keep saying, let's just all get along, but nobody could get along with nobody. It's a great song. And figuring out that you've had enough is a great place to be, or at least it can be. Sometimes we get everything we've ever wanted, and it's a beautiful thing because we get to find that it didn't work, that we need something otherworldly, that we need something more. That it wasn't just, well, as soon as I finish that master's doctorate, third doctorate, PhD, whatever. That it wasn't just if I get that right house and get the right thing. That it wasn't just if my kids would just shut up and listen to me. That it wasn't just whatever. I need something else. Isn't that a great song? Starts with the blues. We're getting the gospel, but it starts with a blues track. Once you get to this point, you have a decision to make. Maybe you have a couple decisions to make. Um... This can be a very good place to be, but it is a moment that must be taken advantage of. And it's just in personal experience in my life and in life with others, I've seen this, that people get to the point where you go, man, I've just had it. I've had it with my own sin and I've had it with the sin of people around me and I'm tired of relying on this world and I'm tired of relying on this social movement or that social movement. I'm tired of relying on the stock market. I'm tired of relying on my boss. I'm tired of all this. And you have a moment there to make changes to start the journey, to leave the valley. Or probably what will happen is your heart will numb up and you just put a room addition on the tent in the valley and just try to get super comfortable there. You could stay. You could look around and go, well, the world's a mess, but we'll deal with the lesser of evils. We'll deal with behavior modification. I'll just try to be good. I'll just try to find the right people around me that aren't toxic and, you know, whatever. You take up one cause or another. You get furious with society because they don't see things your way. You hold secret sins really close. And you justify your secret sin with something like, well, at least I'm not as bad 
as the rest of the people around here. So you hold on to lust, you hold on to hate, you hold on to judgment, you hold on to greed, you hold on to rage. Because at least you're not as bad as all these other people in the valley. You make the most important things in your life family or work or hobbies or again, maybe even important causes. You ignore your inner person. There's not much room for an inner devotional life, for spiritual disciplines, for accountability and prayer with other people. Because after all, you're on the grind. You're living the dream. Your mood rises when your guy wins or your team wins or the stock market goes up or your church has more people or your bank account has more money. And your life feels ruined when the opposite happens, when the stock market goes down or your team loses or your guy loses or your church has less people. You continue to have a life that's centered in the kingdom of man. But maybe you've added religion for moral support. You can either do that or you could be a pilgrim. You could give up on all of that stuff with a steeled heart, a soft heart, but one that is firm and ready to go and really sick of sin in your own life and relying on the kingdom of man's stuff, you could look and go, I'm not worshiping anything but God. I'm not bowing to anyone but Christ. And I'm going to start a journey, a pilgrimage to intimacy with God. And I want it so bad, I'm not letting anything get in my way. You decide to really repent of your sin. Like, really? Like you tell people, here's my secret sin. Hold me accountable. Love me through it. I'm gross. Can you please still love me? You decide to really love your neighbor. No matter what. I know your, your neighbor's dumb. They think the same thing about their neighbor. You've decided your mood won't rise and fall with cultural things. But rather, you're going to be satisfied in Christ. You know, what's it mean to leave the kingdom of man, to leave the darkness of the valley this, after you have this holy descent? It's a tricky question because we're dealing with metaphors. You know, I wish we could just put on a backpack, but what would be in that backpack? The Psalms of Ascent are referring to a real journey. It's really about these pilgrims going to Jerusalem, but it's also a spiritual journey that you and I can take right now. It's possible to abandon your old life while still living here. And you know, there are times when you have to physically move, but we're not talking about like moving to a monastery or finding, you know, only having Christian friends and being in the Christian bubble. And we're not, we're certainly not talking about any kind of self-harm. We're not talking about anything like that. Rather, we're talking about deciding what kind of person you're going to be. It's possible to abandon your old life of sin and counting on all the stuff in the valley right where you are. In fact, 
I think that if we are pilgrims, if we are people sick and tired of expecting the world to satisfy us, we might just be useful to the world. We might just pray for them in love. We might just actually take care of the poor. We might be generous. We might be loving. We might act like Jesus. So that journey starts with a decision, a decision to pack up and leave. You got to put your ID in there. Who you are is no longer going to be defined by your job description, your bank account, how handsome or beautiful your spouse is, how with it your kids are. That's just not going to be your identity anymore. Child of God, that's it. You have to put your treasure in there. You have to spend money differently. Going to have to stop trying to build the kingdom of Grant. Instead, try to build the kingdom of God. Your purpose in your life, when you're looking for meaning, it's going to be different. It's got to go. Put it in the backpack. Get on the journey. Your passions. What you actually want out of life. And certainly your relationships, the people in your life. There might be some people that are bad for you that you need to be like, hey, we're not friends. But I don't think that's typical. I think rather it's loving people in Jesus' name and not expecting them to be your satisfier. So you make a decision to be in a relationship with Jesus. The New Testament says die to yourself. You start a pilgrimage towards maturity. You know, it's funny how many people understand conversion but not sanctification. Understand the decision to like become a Christian, but then kind of think that, well, when I said yes to Jesus, spiritual maturity was just downloaded into me. Now everything I think is spiritually true. No, it's a relationship with Christ, and that's not how relationships work. I've used this example before, but June 8th, 1996, Tiffany and I got married. I didn't know squat about being a husband, but I was one. And I'm still not there, but it's a journey I'm enjoying. And I'm learning all the time how to die to myself, and she's better at it than I am. You know, May 14th in the year 2000, we became parents. We knew a lot more about how to be good parents before that than we do now. <laughs> and it's a journey you start. And that start is really important. To say yes to Jesus is hugely important. But was that it? That would be like somebody living at a frat house, just doing all the frat house stuff. Just nothing but debauchery all the time. Going, this, this is not the life for me. I'm going to settle down. I've got a good girlfriend. I like her. I'm going to marry her and settle down. Going, finding a pastor, premarital counseling, doing the whole stuff, inviting all their friends, flowers, and the whole thing, getting married, and then moving back into the frat house. Are you married? I mean, ask the IRS. I don't know. No, rather, you have to begin a relationship and then you have to spend the rest of your life in that journey and the songs of a sense 
are about going, I'm going to start a journey with God. And I'm going to walk that road. I'm going to mature. So this holy dissatisfaction gets us on the road. I do just want to, the next psalm I promise to handle quickly, but it's so important. Because once you launch, here's what happens. You find out the danger of the road. Um, Psalm 121 starts, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I, uh, I think I've told you this story before, but um, when I was 20 years old, I was a mess, uh, and I was working with this little youth group, and I was going to camp, and camp fell apart. None of the kids could go. I don't remember what it was. I did a bad job. It was a wreck. And, um, and uh, so I had like two weeks. I worked for my dad, and he had given me the time off. And so I had these two weeks, and I told my mom, I'm sick of everything. I feel like a failure. I'm just going to put a tent. We weren't campers. I didn't know how to make a tent. Um, I'm going to put a tent, an acoustic guitar, in the back of my truck that they had bought for me, and I'm going to just drive. And I have a good mom. So she said, great. Let's go get you a map. So she called my bluff, and I drove to Denver, mostly because I had just started reading On the Road, and that's where they were headed. <laughs> and my first night was in Bryce Canyon, and I just felt like I was on top of the world. I was on my own, meeting raviolis out of a can. It was awesome. I figured out how to put the tent up, but um, it was a pop tent, so if I figured out, I had to go, and it went boing, 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 boing. But it was hard ground, and I didn't know how to put the stakes in. So I woke up at 2 in the morning just with torrential rain. You're not going to believe this, but in Garden Grove in Orange County, torrential rain doesn't happen. Bryce Canyon, it does. Torrential rain. I had spent the evening before playing guitar with some drunk Canadians on, a, on Harleys that were touring America, road dogs. These guys knew what they were doing. So I got up at two in the morning and I had made my tent secure by pushing all my stuff to the edges of the tent. So it was all soaked. <laughs> and so I threw, and including my guitar. So I threw it all. I couldn't figure out how to fold the tent. So I threw it all in the back of the truck and I, I uh, strapped it all down, bungee cords. I didn't know how to tie a knot. And um, the whole time, the drunk Canadians were still up. Have, they had started a tab at the general store. <laughs> and they thought I was hilarious. So, riddled, freezing, soaking wet, riddled with fear, and being laughed at by actual men. I got my truck going, and I headed out. And I was going home. I, should, I just... I didn't think I could do it, and I proved to myself that I couldn't do it. And there was a moment where I got to a crossroads, the literal crossroads, and left is home and right is Denver. And you have a decision to make when you realize that there's danger out on the road. And that's the, what this pilgrim is experiencing. He gets out of his hometown, he lifts his eyes, and he sees hills. Well, hills are kind of enigmatic. Hills are a symbol of hope. We're going up towards Jerusalem. Hills are also where robbers are. 
And I, I really do remember praying because I was a knucklehead, but I did love the Lord. And I was at this crossroads, and just to finish the story, storm clouds all around me, every direction, storm clouds. And at this one little, it wasn't a crossroads, it was a T, just sun for just, you know, 100 feet in every direction, sun. And so I told myself I would turn right and continue the journey, but I was turning around at the next um, rest stop because I wanted my mom. <laughs> and I passed that next rest stop and I said, I'll turn around next time I need gas. And I got gas and I kept going. And that's how accidentally I ended up in Denver. And it changed my life. I came home with a beard. And proving to myself that while it wasn't successful, I could not die out on the road. And I read the Psalms. And I prayed and I wrote 10 songs a day. But there comes a point when you're a pilgrim where you realize the danger of the road. And this is true spiritually too. You go, I'm sick of all this. I'm sick of my sin and I'm grieving and I'm tired of counting on money and counting on this and I'm turning off cable news forever. I'm surrounded by liars and I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just gonna just go and then, and then you get a couple days in and you go, gosh, it might be scary out here. At least back in Egypt, we had vegetables. So the... The pilgrim asks the most important question you can ask when you see danger in your pilgrimage. Where does my help come from? And that's a decision you just got to make in your heart. Where does your help come from? It's almost like he looks at the hills and he goes, gosh, am I going through those? You imagine maybe these same hills as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Certainly at some point he was going to have to go from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And that's where people fall among robbers. That's a long way. It's tiring. Am I going up there? And then it's like he looks at the hills and then he looks above the hills and he goes, I know where my help comes from. From the one who made the hills. From the maker of heaven and earth. The rest of the Psalm is a confession of God's protection. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Man, there is something profound about that sense. The recognition of the maker of heaven and earth is my personal help. He's not distant. He's not far away. But I will rely on him. I've cast my lot with him and I will not rely on anyone else. If God's not going to help me, then there just won't be any help. He is my help. We have evidence that God is not distant, primarily in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. You also have that evidence in the indwelling nature of the Holy Spirit. God is not far away. I know it looks scary in the world. Having integrity, doing the right thing, being a spiritually mature person can look really scary, but you are not alone. 
This is also a rejection of everything else. The Lord is my help. It's not going to be, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be tradition or religion. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be power. It's not going to be my sense of humor, my intellect, my talent. I will not lean on my own understanding, but I will tr- put my trust in God. Verse 3 and 4 says, He will not let your foot be moved, but he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. A confession that this pilgrim has considered every other thing and is like, every other thing lets me down eventually. But God is always on the job. He will keep me on track. He is not asleep on the job. Verse 5 and 6, actually 5 through 8, let's read. The Lord is your helper. So that Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh. Yahweh is your helper. Yahweh is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in in step from this time forth and forevermore. If you're out on the road, you're... The danger is going to come primarily from two places. It's going to be nature and it's going to be evil people. And I don't think this is you're not going to get a sunburn if, um, if uh, God is with you. But it's rather, if you're on this journey, you might like, have not, not brought enough water and it might be the elements that are an end to you. Or it might be a coyote. It might be a wild animal. It might be a lion. This is a spiritual journey. There are a lot of lions coming for your integrity. There are a lot of dry spots where sin seems like the best option. But if you will rely on God, it won't be the temptations and travails of the world that break you. Your problems is going to come, or, or the evil is going to come from nature. It's also going to come from people. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Now, this is not bad things don't happen to good people. You've been alive long enough to know that that is not true, but rather it, it is that the decision-making of other people is not going to separate you from the love of God. Jesus says crazy things in the New Testament that are absolutely true. Like, why are you worried about people that all they can do is kill you? Our pilgrim isn't worried about that. He isn't ignoring trouble out on the road, but he knows that this journey ultimately is in God, in the Lord, in Yahweh. We are in Christ. You are safe. Be strong and courageous. Don't give in to sin or trial or temptation or fear. Be on the road to intimacy with God. You know, I know some Christian people, and you probably do too, who've been through some battles, but they aren't afraid. They've conquered the world. They're usually older. They've had some difficulties. But the way they talk about the world is with courage. They figured out what it's like to be in Christ. Man, I would love for you to leave a little bit on edge. What journey are you on? Where's this road taking you? What are you trusting in? 
Man, it might be that today is the first day that you need to say yes to Jesus. That you need to say, man, there is a Savior that loved me, that died for me, that conquered death, and I'm counting on other things to satisfy me. I'm going to reject, I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to live for Him. Today might be the day of your salvation. Would you say yes to Jesus right now? But fellow pilgrims, have you read Pilgrim's Progress? Do you remember Vanity Fair? Not the magazine, but the chapter in Pilgrim's Progress, where it's just all the fun stuff of the world that gets us off the trail. We've become distracted by the grind, the treadmill. We've become distracted by the victories of life, along with the defeats of life, and we've just kind of stopped traveling. Let's knock that off. Let's not be satisfied until we get to the end of the album. Hands on the temple saying, I am with God. What do you need to say no to? What do you need to leave if you're going to be journeying towards intimacy and maturity? Are there things you need to stop? Do it. Do it now. Let it go. Are there things you need to start? Get on the road. There's a great soundtrack. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for these wonderful songs. Thank you for the chance we have to consider what it would be like to be a pilgrim leaving one of these dark valleys surrounded by pagan people and ending up in the glorious city of Jerusalem at your temple. Lord, if there are people in the room that need to repent of some things, need to say no to some things, need to let some things go, then I pray that today would be the day they do it. Lord, if there's somebody in the room that needs to just say yes to you for the first time, to become a Christian, even maybe to think about, hey, what does baptism mean? What does it mean to really commit my life to Christ? Lord, I pray that, that today would be the day. And if that's you right now in the quiet of your own heart, would you just say yes to Jesus in your own words, reject everything else and commit yourself to him and know that he is so faithful to receive you. I love you, God. Help us on the road. In Jesus' name, amen.